0: Kirsten, welcome to the Common Humanity podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Um, Kirsten is here with me today. She is actually my dietitian. I personally claim her. Um, <laughs> she's helped yeah. me a lot in the last year and is fantastic. Um, but other than that, and we'll get more into that later. But Kirsten, who are you?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. Chandra, for having me on your podcast. Super excited to be here. Um, I am a registered dietitian. I am a strength and conditioning coach. I am a lover of outdoors and fly fishing and hunting and um, traveling. I'm a lover of food and lifting heavy things. That's kind of me in a nutshell, honestly.
0: I love it. Um, which is why we get along so well. Food and heavy things. Those are like my two favorite things in the whole wide world. Um, so, and then it also sounds like, so are you, obviously you live in Wyoming now because that's where we live, but are you like Wyoming born and bred because you're very outdoorsy and that to me is like a very if not Wyoming, at least this part of the country, kind of feel.
1: Right. So, yeah.
0: Are you? Yes.
1: I was born in Great Falls, Montana. Um, I was actually a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force. So I've lived in Montana, Italy, Texas, Missouri, um, but moved back to Cheyenne in 2008. And then I've went to high school here, went to college here and started my business here.
0: Nice. Nice. I went to college in Montana. So I have friends from Great Falls. Fun. Interesting. Nice. Anyway. Um, yeah. So when did, when did you develop your love for the outdoors?
1: Oh gosh, maybe around like nine or 10 years old. Uh, my dad never had sons, and so he had to teach his girls how to be how to do boy things. And so uh, I started hunting at an early age, like 10, 10 to twelve years old. And um, as life progressed, um, I hunted more through some of the boyfriends I had, um, but then also with my own friends and family. And so um, it's something I still do every year.
0: Nice. Do you have, I'm not a hunter, so I go off of information from my family who hunts. Um, Do you have a favorite, like one favorite thing to hunt for like the actual fun and sport of it? But then also, do you have a favorite thing, like your what tastes best to you?
1: Yeah, I think elk are the coolest things to hunt and the best eating animals okay yeah very lean very good source of iron
0: (laughs) all i know is my my uncle would always like send jerky home with us at christmas and one year he got a moose and it was probably my favorite jerky that he gave us i don't remember Mm -hmm. why i just remember that i really liked it
1: so
0: -hmm. um we have some some elk bacon oh but he sent us home with over we saw him a few weeks ago so um yeah it's not I most of my venison honestly comes from friends who hunt and then they're like I'm going hunting I need to clear out the freezer and I'm like I like free meat yeah (laughs) um that's I love those connections but yeah so I also just because I've always been interested fly fishing Mm -hmm. um when did you start doing that do you do it often um what does it consist of based other than standing in waders in the middle of a like river
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so I have a so it's funny because a lot of my friends are like (laughs) retired I have a lot of elderly friends but they're not elderly they're still pretty badass in the fact that they're still active and Mm -hmm. Like, doing things. So, I have a friend named Ed. He is in his 60s. And he taught me how to fly fish three years ago, I think. Um, he even built me my own fly rod with my name painted on it. It's so cute. And so, he's taught me everything I know about fly fishing. Um, but... It consists of, oh, I like it better than spin rod fishing because you can kind of just keep on moving. You don't have to cast and then just wait
0: because
1: uh-huh. uh, that could get pretty boring. But, um, yeah, all you need is your fly rod and a fly to tie on. And and really, that's it. Nice. Um, <laughs> friends help i like fishing with friends so i'd probably recommend you bring a cool person to go fish with
0: <laughs> um i love the fact that you have quote unquote elderly friends older friends um i've always felt weird cuz like i've i have very few friends my age like i have a handful like literally a handful of friends who are like within a 5 year range of me And the rest of them are either like 15, 20, 40 years older than me or like 15 years younger than me. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's never been weird to me, but then I feel like, like when I used to go out, I would be the one like sitting at a bar, like sharing war stories with the old men at the bar where like everyone else is out trying to pick up young men and I'm just like no no no, that's boring these guys are interesting
1: (laughs) yeah I totally relate I think when you have an old soul you just gravitate towards like 40 year old friends 50 year old (laughs) friends and you just learn from them so much
0: yeah I think it's beautiful and I think it's just a, a testament to the idea that age is just a number which we'll probably get to in a different aspect here shortly um But, I mean, we're all humans, and people who are 60 years old have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and a lot of stories and things that they can share with us. And it doesn't even have to be in the sense of, like, sharing their wisdom, but, like, the ladies that I coach in the mornings, they tell just some really funny stories (laughs) that, you know people my age just don't have those stories yet so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I just think it's really fun um okay so then kind of veering off to the professional side of things when when and what made you decide that you want to be both a dietitian and a strength and conditioning coach
1: yeah my story goes way back honestly like um, so I, I graduated high school and I went to UW, um, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to be at that point. I was like looking into pre-dental, um, but I had, I had a, a boyfriend in high school who introduced me to weightlifting and I did my very first competition through the NPC at like 18 years old. And so I was like really curious about, oh, wow, like you can change your body composition through weightlifting. Um, and so I continued to compete in bodybuilding through my undergrad. Um, I, I did like three competitions through figure. Um, just because I felt like figure fitted my personality more than the bikini category. Um, and so... Just that whole competing process uh, led me into uh, just wanting to become a personal trainer at that point. So I got my certification. I taught fitness classes at UW. Um, I was doing personal training there. Um, But throughout that whole competing process, I also learned some valuable life lessons about being overly strict with your diet, Um, not to... Um, knock bodybuilding or anything but it can be pretty unhealthy if you're not working with a coach that has your best interest in mind as far as health um, you know it can develop fear of certain foods disorder eating that kind of stuff and so that was actually my experience in undergrad and so um, so <laughs> from there you know, I was really interested in changing or pushing my, myself as far as training and getting leaner. Um, but there was also kind of that back, that rebound effect of um, what do we do after the show? So struggling with overeating and feeling out of control with food. So I really lived both ends of the spectrum as far as being overly strict and then not having any structure at all. Um, but I was a personal trainer and so I I continued to gain knowledge and things. Um, so after I graduated with um it ended up being a kinesiology degree. Um, I picked up a job in corporate wellness um in Gillette at the Campbell County Health Hospital. And so I really got to have experience with behavior change and just doing um health coaching really. Um But then I was like, gosh, I feel like I could be doing more like I feel like I like I'm stuck here. There's no room for growth. And so if I were to go back to school for anything, it'd be nutrition so that I could become a dietitian and offer training and nutrition help to the fullest capacity. And so I did that. And um, but I still wanted to use that kinesiology degree. So that's where I tested for the strength and conditioning um, certification. And, um, I still use that today, uh, for my personal self, but even just clients who want written programs and whatnot. Um, but that's kind of what led me to go back to school to become a dietitian. Um, and gosh, it's a long road. It was lots of school, lots of biochemistry, like the hard classes I really wanted to avoid, Uh but I think, (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting though, because once you, once you figure out what you want to do with your life, like you'll do whatever it takes to, to get there. Even if that means facing the scary chemistry classes.
0: Yeah. I, I remember when I graduated high school, like my path was, I mean, I was, I was an athlete. I was interested in training, but Anatomy, just like taking anatomy ever was just terrifying to me, right? Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of bones and muscles and tendons and all sorts of things with really long names that are hard to memorize, and I didn't want to do it. Um, So, instead, I double majored in structural engineering and architecture. And obviously, I, I didn't end up doing that. And all through college, while I was doing that, I would unofficially train my friends and bring them to the gym with me and you know give them the knowledge that I had at the time and throughout college they kept telling me like this is what you're actually supposed to be doing and I'm like no 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 I have my plan and then I decided that my plan was not my plan anymore and as soon as I got out of college I started interning as a so interning under um I can't remember Mary's last name right now, but at Mary's fitness and studying for my CSCS and doing all of that, because then my brain was like, just like you said, I was like, this is really what I want to do. And then have just continued learning since then. Um, Anatomy still scares the shit out of me, though, even though I study it and I do it and whatever, still scares me. But I really like that point that you made that when you want something like when you when you find that thing that like lights that fire in you that even though the things are scary to get to it you're still willing to do it so i thought that was a beautiful little sentiment um this is this is sort of a pointed question cuz i have my own opinions on it but being a dietitian and so, and having the life that you've lived and the experiences that you have, what, like, when I say the words diet culture, what comes up for you? Mm.
1: Yeah, so diet culture. I think in my line of work, ugh, diet culture is the reason why people are afraid of eating bananas. Yes. <laughs> And, and carrots and potatoes and pasta and carbs. And just because there's so much fear-mongering mm-hmm. um, around certain foods and macronutrients and... Uh, it just confuses the crap out of people. and um And it puts a lot of pressure on people, too.
0: Yeah. I know... Well, I'll just share. One of the things that makes me comfortable actually speaking to you on a professional level, like as my dietitian, is that at no point have you ever made me feel any kind of way other than comfortable in my size of a body. You've never told me like, oh, well, you're terribly obese and you need to lose weight or else you're never going to be a healthy human being. It's always been a conversation of here are your goals. This is what like this is what you want to do. This is where you're at. This is always the mental check-in because sometimes life is mean and always coming back to like okay, how do we find that balance and how do we get you the nutrients that you need and um while doing it without that over-the-top restriction that if you just like jump on the keto bus or the whole 30 or whatever other bus you want to jump on um it gets really restrictive really fast and that's always been one of the things with you that has been just brilliant to me is that there's that level of comfort of like that humanity of like okay so so you ate a cinnamon roll that doesn't mean that you're a terrible person it doesn't mean that you're never going to reach your goals but where do you go like how do you also get like get your protein in and you know get all of the um all the vitamins and minerals that you need because as delicious as cinnamon rolls are there's not a lot of those vitamins and minerals in there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So what, what has your experience been not, I mean, you can use me as an example if you want to, I don't care. Um, But with clients, do you have, do you feel like there's more like, how do I want to word this? Do you feel like you have more clients come to you ready for a dietitian, or do you have more clients come to you expecting you to like give them a meal plan to fix their lives mm-hmm. and more like educating them of like what nutrition is meant to look like
1: mm-hmm. yeah you, you got it out I like it um <laughs> so it's so funny because I think when people think okay, I'm going to go meet with a dietitian. They automatically think I'm the food police, Mm -hmm. that I'm gonna smack their wrist for eating a candy bar or um, just tell them how bad their diet is. And like what you mentioned, how I've never made comments about your body size. It's like, we can be very critical of ourselves like we already know what we don't like about our bodies, so mm-hmm. I don't think it would be helpful for me to point out something that you or me might already struggle with we already know it's a problem yeah I don't have to tell you that um it needs to change like you know um so what people are most surprised about when they come working with me is, yeah, I say, I don't, I'm not going to give you a meal plan. Um, we're going to work together to identify your barriers. Like what are those bad habits that keep you stuck? Um, and we're going to develop strategies so that you can be consistent with fueling yourself, knowing what to eat. Um, because I want you to be the expert of your body. I don't want you to have to rely on a meal plan, um, an influencer diet, a, um keto diet whatever whatever diet like I want you to be able to have that empowerment to say hey I know how to build a balanced plate I know how to meet this amount of protein per day I know how to incorporate balanced portion sizes of ice cream and not feel guilty well, that's what I teach yeah
0: I, I love that um that last part Oh, f- first of all, just because ice cream is delicious, even I've even started to find non-dairy ice cream that is delicious because technology, um, but it's having lived through a literally like a lifetime of disordered eating um, very recently in my life. And I know you already know this, but I have learned that. There, there's no good and bad food. Like, I always like to refer to it as optimal and suboptimal, right? Like, mm-hmm. donuts aren't bad. They don't carry optimal nutrition. But at the same time, you don't always need optimal nutrition. Sometimes, like, it's your kid's birthday and they want donuts and you can eat a donut. Like, should you live off of donuts? No. But also... I don't mm-hmm. think I could find a single person who would choose to live off of donuts, because they sort of make you feel get, terrible. <laughs> yeah, you
1: get sick of them. Um, and and I think you have such a good point there too. It's like when you can incorporate balance in your life, you're gonna reduce risk of overeating on things. You're gonna you're gonna look forward to those those foods more often because you strategically placed them in your week so mm-hmm. that instead of mindlessly eating them, you're planning to enjoy them and not feel guilty about it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, it's so much, it's like a, a breath of fresh air when you realize that you don't have to not have things you enjoy and you're still healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, what... Would you have any advice for people um, who, I feel like I feel like almost everybody at some point in their life would stress eat, right? So you talked about being able to have a plan of, like a plan of attack, of al- allowing yourself those treats and actually planning them into your week so that you're not overindulging in them. But then there's some times where life is mean, and maybe you overindulge, what Mm -hmm. would you, what would be your advice to people in that situation?
1: Where they've already
0: overindulged?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or they
0: feel like they need to overindulge. Either one. Choose one.
1: Okay. Well, step one is being aware of, of your emotions. Like, how am I feeling? What do I need? I always joke about when I go and just open the fridge, um, like, randomly, I'm like, am I looking for answers right now? Like, I must be looking for answers. Um, <clears throat> but I think, like, life is going to kick you in the butt sometimes. And that's just part of it. Same thing with your health journey. Like, we need to expect that there's going to be highs and lows, your motivation's going to be high, and sometimes it's going to be super low. You're going to get sick some weeks and you're not going to be able to train you might have a low appetite you might have a raging appetite because it's your cycle that month right and so it's like we should not expect to be eating perfect all the time and for everything to go 100% because that's just not how life works but I think the more we can have helpful tools in our back pocket um and also just giving yourself grace and not go into the F it" mentality. That's mm-hmm. what gets a lot of people. If something goes wrong and then they say F it." I don't care about eating healthy. I don't care about training. Um, I'll start over next week. And the sooner you can just brush yourself off when you hit a speed bump, the better. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait don't self-sabotage and eat your whole fridge. Like you can start again at the next meal. If you can't train, you can go for a 10 minute walk and you're starting again in that very moment.
0: Yeah, I know because um, I follow you on Instagram, right? Um, sometimes there's little stories of you like going for your little 10 minute walk. Just And one thing I always like to talk to people about is, the concept of neat because as a personal trainer, people, you know, oftentimes come to me and they assume that my job is to help them lose weight and get in shape. And, um, there's a lot of science behind it, but without going into that, like exercise alone is not very efficient for losing weight. It's definitely part of a, It's, it's a piece of a lifestyle and all of that, but Mm -hmm. one of the things that is really helpful, especially when you're talking like, like running on a treadmill for 20 minutes isn't going to overhaul your entire life, right? But increasing NEAT, so I always, my brain, um, nope, can't. I can always use the acronym and my brain can never think of what the actual acronym actually stands for. Do you I know what it's I non
1: know? non-exercise I just, activity thermogenesis. Yes. That's what it is.
0: See? Yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> so it's, it's all the movement you do that isn't going to the gym. It's like, mm-hmm. it's going for a 10 minute walk. Cause it, a 10 minute walk, it can be an exercise walk where you're like, power walking like those ladies in the mall in the morning um side note if you've never been to the mall at five o'clock in the morning there's a bunch of old ladies power walking Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but like there's the the benefit of being outside and getting some vitamin d and breathing fresh air and all sorts of things that help your mental state you know, increasing blood flow to your body just in general, which also helps your mental state and helps your body feel better. And it doesn't have to be like exercise and movement doesn't have to be awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, things I find so much, there's, there's a lot of people like you and me who love exercise, who love movement, but there's a lot of people who don't. And I think Um, I'm gonna take it back to like the whole concept of maybe not diet culture, diet culture mixed with fitness culture is that you have to do like, you have to do hit or you have to do CrossFit or you have to do powerlifting, or it has to be one of these like big, extreme, like hard things to do when in actuality, like if you decide to put music on, for half an hour every day and dance around in your living room and you enjoy it and you move your body, that's going to increase your health. Like, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be something you hate.
1: Yep. Yeah, because if you hate it, like how are you going to stay consistent with it? Mm -hmm. And same thing goes with your nutrition. If you hate the meals you have to eat, you're not going to stick with that. Why would you cut out dessert out of your diet if that's something you enjoy um so yeah that's that's a really good point making sure you're enjoying the way you move you're enjoying the foods you're eating so that you know it's there's no way you would go back to your old ways because you're actually having fun with the process
0: yeah and I think that's huge um Try and think I'm gonna well I guess before I take us on a tangent, uh is there anything else you want to say about like dietitian stuff, health, nutrition, food, anything that you're like, this is on my brain and it needs to be said?
1: Oh that is a loaded question. Um I could share my contact info at the end.
0: Yeah, well we'll share that too in the in the notes and everything too yeah so um oh i got one
1: okay okay so many people who attempt to lose weight or you know go on a fat loss journey they stay in a calorie deficit for way too long like months and months and months and they don't give their body and their metabolism that break of maintenance, maintenance calories. And so, I mean, that's why you see the yo-yo problem because they don't strategically plan phases throughout the year of like, okay, 16 weeks, we're going to pursue a calorie deficit and then we're going to reverse diet into maintenance calories. And then we're going to hang out there through the holidays because we're going to be eating more food. So why would we try to pursue... Fat loss, you know, when it's when it's there's more food around, for example. Yeah. Um, just that concept too, like, periodize your nutrition, just like you would periodize your training.
0: Yeah, and I think that is one of the best reasons to work with a professional because I feel like, I mean, you and I know what periodization means, and if you walked into any gym in town and walked up to some average person on a treadmill or doing bicep curls and you ask them what periodization means and what their training looks like, because that's, so like one of the conversations I like to have is the difference between exercising and training because exercising is moving your body and that's great. Um, training, like you have a goal to hit, like whether it's lifting more, or getting faster, or losing weight, or whatever. You have a goal that you are working towards, and you have a system to get there. And exercise is still good for you, still very good for you. I'm never going to tell you not to exercise. That's not true. I will tell people not to exercise, because there's a time not to exercise, which was a hard lesson to learn. Um, But there is a huge difference between actually Like attacking your goals and having goals and planning for them versus just seeing a cool workout on TikTok and then doing it because Mm -hmm. somebody told you it would get you a six pack in three weeks.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which just as a note to everybody out there, everybody has a six pack. It's just whether you can see it or not.
1: Right. That's (laughs) so true. (laughs) Yeah, boring training is actually very effective. Just like boring eating is very effective. Um, that's why it's not flashy, right? The all the flashy workout programs or flashy eating programs. Um, it's that's what it gets people is because it's super exciting. But honestly, the basics are when it comes down to the thing that moves the needle forward, as far as getting stronger, building muscle and even getting leaner too, if that's someone's goal. Yeah.
0: That's always, um. there's a couple of different like strength coaches and stuff that I follow. And that's always the thing. They're like, we don't show a lot of workouts because they're the same thing week to week. Just yep. Exactly.
1: Just add pounds. five
0: pounds every week. And that's the only difference. Yeah. Um, oh man. Okay, so, kind of veering off from that, let's go to a a mental health route here. Have you seen the effects? i'm I'm almost certain this answer is yes, but I guess what effects have you seen in yourself, in clients, whatever when helping someone with their eating habits and like the, the mental health aspect of things.
1: So to repeat your question, what, what do I feel after seeing someone like positively make a change? But
0: Also, have you seen, um, have you seen changes in the people that you've worked with? And, um, or personal experience or whatever yeah how how having a balanced diet has impacted their overall mental health
1: yeah totally so having that balance is literally such a game changer because you don't have to worry about when are you gonna burn out and quit because it's sustainable when there's balance, it's more sustainable, so you can keep doing it for longer. Therefore, seeing more results. Therefore, gaining more confidence. Therefore, it reflecting in your interactions with other humans or your kids, and then it just trickles from there. Um, and a big thing that I have to tell people, like from the mental perspective, is like you have to prioritize yourself, or it, it won't happen you have to um if you're a caretaker you first have to take care of yourself making sure your physical health needs are met making sure you go grocery shopping so you have healthy foods to eat making sure um making sure you just plan at least one day ahead so you're not tempted to go get fast food because you don't have anything available to eat um So planning is a big part of it, but, but when all that happens, yes, they, the effects are huge.
0: And I think, I know that's been a, it's been an interesting, an interesting journey for me because I've, I mean, I don't know how open I've been on my own podcast about this, but like I have PTSD and anxiety and depression and all sorts of things and have struggled with disordered eating and having a therapist and having a dietitian and having like a team of people help me kind of get my ducks in a row and the amount of like mental strain that has like came off of me when like the first time I realized that if I was hungry I was supposed to eat And it was really that simple. And I I was just overcomplicating it for two decades. Um, Like it started to not just release some of that mental load, but then also when you're getting adequate nutrition, it's amazing how less depressed you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you're feeding your body adequately. Um, And I'm not saying that it's, like, an end-all-be-all to cure depression or anything like that, but it's definitely a tool in the toolbox to help, like, I feel like the more balanced you can get your life in food, in movement, in recovery, which is huge, and unfortunately a lot of us forget and or ignore, um, like, not only does it help you get out of like some of those low feelings but the more balance you have the quicker you notice when you start to get off balance
1: oh yeah yeah and then you just want to course correct as fast as you can um and that's why I like to have like non-negotiable habits it's like Mm -hmm. what are the three to five things I need to do every day to make sure I'm good whether that's hit my water intake, have my five fruits of veggies, you know, um, have, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of movement, sunshine, eight hours of sleep, like the boring stuff. Like really it does. Um, And then if I notice like your mood, my mood is off. I'm just like, oh, I didn't do any of my negotiable, non-negotiables today. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And it's, it makes it so much easier to like take care of yourself when you've actually pinpointed those things that make you feel good like Mm -hmm. a a good hearty breakfast is one for me like when i if it's a rushed morning and my kids are driving me up a wall and i need to get them to school and i don't get my breakfast like i have to wait half an hour later to eat my breakfast. Like, by that time I'm cranky, like, my stomach is, like, growling at me of, like, hey, where is our food? Like, I start to, like, I feel yucky, right? But as soon as I get that food in me and actually, like, give myself that sustenance, I'm like, oh, I'm, because I, I am, I'm pretty sure I am the reason that they came up with the term hangry, because I turned into a monster um, it was funny this weekend after that weekend, this week, after my son's basketball practice, he still wanted to shoot around afterwards. And I gave him like 10 minutes and then he was not listening. And my go-to with him, I was just like, I am hungry. We need to go before I burn this place down. Like we have to go because I'm going to turn into Godzilla and it is time for my food. And you are standing in between me and my food. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm
0: um but yeah once you once you have those things down um and I I like your list my list is obviously water as well Uh I would be I would be a water bottle it makes it makes me so happy (laughs) um but yeah there's just like There's, it doesn't even have to be big things, tiny little things of like, just being a human. And, but I think part of it is also things that we are not always, um, like we have to allow ourselves to do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like you have to, if you want to read every night before bed, you have to give yourself permission to say, this is my time. And nobody else gets to interrupt my time because that's hard to do sometimes.
1: Well, I think you're really good at that, even as a mom, because that's who struggles with it the most, I think, is the moms out there.
0: Because other people's lives depend on us and it's so stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. But yeah. Um, All right. We are going to move into a little game real quick. So this is where it's going to start to get even more off topic. So we have three questions you get to answer first. Then I'll answer with my, whatever my answer is. And they increase in, we'll say difficulty depth. Okay. What do people do that upsets you the most?
1: You go first.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's the most, but I, I don't like, um, there's, I have so many pet peeps, but we'll go with, I don't like people talking down to me or to others. Like, I don't like people belittling others for any reason. Like, even if they're saying something stupid, you don't have to point it out. <laughs> like,
1: right, right. So, yeah, that's a good that's one. On I would say just maybe gossiping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, Or I don't know. Just, yeah. That's always been one of mine. But I don't know if that's like the most, but yeah, that's just one of them.
0: Yeah. And I feel like there are so many interesting things in the world. You don't have to talk about people. <laughs> like, there's so right. many other things to talk about.
1: Spend your time improving your brain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you could quit your job today and do something that pays significantly less but was more rewarding, would you do it?
1: Honestly, I got so lucky with my job. Like, this is what I would do for free. And I'm so blessed and lucky that I can make money doing this and help people change their lives. Like, I I really hit the jackpot with my job.
0: (laughs) Nice. Um, my answer is similar. I already quit my job to do something that yeah, job. But I'm doing it myself now. So
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So would I do it? Hell yes.
1: <laughs> Love
0: that. Because I already did. <laughs> okay. Um, our last question: What could people around you do to help you feel more supported when you are down?
1: Oh, just that reassurance just goes such a long way because I, I think we talked about this earlier in the episode, but it's like we get down on ourselves and, you know, other people might think we're crushing it, but we can be our worst critics. So just that reassurance, even from a client perspective, like Kirsten, you're I'm really satisfied with how you're helping me. This is working really well. Just so that I know, too, that, you know, I'm providing the best service that I can. But even from personal people in my life, um, just reminding you how far you've come, too. Because sometimes we do forget about that.
0: Well, two things I want to say to that is, one, Christian, you're killing it. You're fantastic. <laughs> I
1: just want you to know that. Oh, thank you um, so much.
0: <laughs> two, I was having this conversation Yesterday, because my life has been a little stressful, because my children are in everything. Um, and my I told my little brother, I was like, here's the thing. Like, there's this quote that says, just because I carry it well, doesn't mean it's not heavy. And it was like, right after we left the gym. I was like, it's the same thing. Just because I can squat over 300 pounds does not make 300 pounds any lighter. Just this because... it is getting better oh my god Mm -hmm. that's a good quote but yeah and so it's that thing like we we always a friend of mine a few years ago like I was in the middle of a mental breakdown and he told me he's like you have so such composure and I was just like I don't have a choice to not have composure I'm in charge of other people I'm in charge of small living creatures I have a staff to think about I have (laughs) Like all of these things, I don't have the opportunity to just break down whatever things are hard. Just because it's like, just because I carry it well does not mean it's not heavy. So, that idea of checking, like, check on your strong friends, right? Yeah, like, that's so good. You, I mean, check on your sad friends and your weak friends and all those friends to check on all of your friends all of your friends but like don't forget about your strong friends don't forget about the people who seem like they have it all together because we're all Mm -hmm. human and we all have struggles and we all want to hear like hey you're doing a damn good job so Mm -hmm. I think yes I like your answer that was my my point um you're doing a damn good job thanks (laughs) Um, okay, so what was the question again? What could people around you do to help you support you when you're down? Um, so mine is anticipate my needs, which there's a part of me it's just like it's nobody else's job to anticipate my needs, but I have recognized, um, especially in my my relationship, like my boyfriend now, the first time when we were still friends, we went to a concert, and, like, he offered to throw away my can of water for me, and my brain was like, what? What, like, I was gonna eventually go to the trash can. I can take care of it. It's totally fine, and it was just, he was like, yeah, but, like, I was closer to it. I could reach the trash can. I could just reach and do it, so, it, like, and it's, like, tiny little things. It doesn't have to be, like, hey, you need to like, come overhaul my life for me, but having someone who recognizes you're tired, like, hey, you should, like, I'll take care of
1: Mm -hmm. doing
0: the dishes, you can sit down (laughs) and relax. Um, Having someone who recognizes, like, you are about to become a hungry monster, eat a Snickers. I brought (laughs) you
1: tacos.
0: (laughs) Right, like, someone, I used to have a staff member who like unfortunately for him he shared an office with me so he saw me get hangry every day around three o'clock and he would start packing snacks and then he'd just be like hey Chandra and like throw a snack at me I'm like oh oh I'm starting to be mean because I'm hungry and you noticed because you're anticipating my need like um but yeah and it and I think a big part of that too is like and I I can't say that I have this perspective from anything other than a mother because I've been a mother for almost 10 years now, which is just strange Mm. to me. Um, My kids are growing up and it's sad, but um, I spend like my life anticipating the needs of others. Like I know my kids need food. I know my kids need clothes. I know my kids need their homework checked. And like, there's just all sorts of things that like live in my brain of everything that has to get done and every once in a while if someone recognizes that I also have needs and is that is like sort of that reminder of like hey take care of yourself because yeah. sometimes forget um that's where I feel like anticipating the needs comes in yeah
1: that's my love shape. it
0: <laughs> that was a fun game it was. It makes me happy. Because I like learning things about people. All right. So um, before we close this down, I'm gonna ask you one more time. I know I asked you once before, but it doesn't have to be nutrition-ish, anything. But if there's one thing that you want people in the world to know about anything, what is it? Like it could be your favorite anything. color out there. Yeah.
1: Anything. Okay. The one thing I want people to know is that you were uniquely made and Jesus died on the cross for you uh, so that you could live in eternity with him. And um, he loves you so much. And believing in him is the best decision you'll ever make. Okay. All right.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that is it for the Common Humanity Podcast oh my goodness the common humanity podcast where we are here to have real human conversations